Well, welcome, everyone. It's a real privilege to be with you today on Easter. And uh, again, to be in the room together. What a joy, right? Uh, to see faces and uh, just kind of humanly make eye contact and know that uh, this is better than Zoom. Way better. I would tell you before uh, we begin, uh, it, this really does feel like uh, the darkest time in my life, I would say. Uh, not because of anything personally, but because of what's going on in our world. And it made preparing an Easter message somewhat challenging. But as I got into it this week, I would say to you, uh, more than ever, we need what God has to say to us today. So I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer. We pray together and then look at this text. Father, thank you so much that uh, we can gather both online and uh, within these walls Hoping in a, sometimes in hoping against hope that there's meaning in what we're doing here and, and that we can really find the story of hope that you desire to write in our own personal lives and through us into our world. So would you speak to us toward that end today? And we'll thank you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So those of you in the room who do any mountaineering know that when you're doing mountaineering in particular like climbing Rainier or Baker or something like that. There are many risks, so you're always on the lookout, and you're trying to avoid risks. You're trying to avoid crevasses into which you might fall. You're trying to avoid cornices on the top of the mountain, hidden crevasses that are covered by snow bridges. Uh, you time your trip so that melting snow doesn't release rocks that are embedded in the ice, uh, and on the way down, those rocks hit you in the head. So you leave early in the, in the morning. You have tools to protect you, helmet for rockfall, rope, ice axe, uh, carabiners for falling into a crevasse, little things called prussics so you can get out of the crevasse, a map, a compass. Like, it's a thing. It's a big thing. You don't just walk out there and say, oh, just, you know, jaunt up Rainier or something because the risk of death is real. And here's the deal. You can prepare, train, do everything right, and still fall. Happens all, it happens all the time. And so with that metaphor, I'm just going to note that it, this is a moment in history when we collectively have fallen, I mean, we're subject to everything. What I call the rock fall of political polarization, where I feel like I'm being hit all the time by culture wars. What I call the crevasse of COVID, where I was afraid, am I going to fall in, right? Am I going to get it? And if I do get it, am I going to spread it? And if I'm wearing a mask, am I wearing it for me or for you? And, and if I, this time of year now, Literally, if I sneeze, is it alder pollen as it is every year, or am I dying? I just don't know. And so these are like these are challenging times. It's the cornice of inflation, and it is for all of us in the room with heaviness in our hearts, the avalanche of Ukraine that is just kind of burying hope because it embodies the pure evil of domination. Someone who says, I'm just going to use my strength to take what I want, even if tens of thousands die, and I'm going, to, I'm going to booby trap graveyards where people are going to mourn the dead. Who does that? How does this happen in 2022 in, in, in this world where we proclaim we love peace? What's going on? I mean, it's very, when I said at the beginning it was dark, it's dark. And it's in, team, it's, it's, it's in times like these uh, when we realize not, none of our protective gear will save us. My wealth doesn't solve this. My property doesn't solve this. My political affiliation doesn't solve this. All our footholds are broken. 
We're falling without a rope. We're suffocating in an avalanche of darkness and evil, or so it seems. And so then here's the question. If you're here this morning and you're like this, what a world, what a mess, what a storm. If that's you, (laughs) I've good news. The Easter story, particularly the Gospel of Mark, reveals three different responses to death and loss. And all of us will identify with one of those responses, maybe more than one, but all of us are invited to move to one particular response as well. And it's those three responses that we look at in this narrative that I believe can move us toward becoming people of hope in the, right in the midst of all that is here. Some in the midst of it drop out. That's the first response. Others uh, stay in the story, but covertly, quietly. Don't tell anybody. And others go the distance and become a testimony of hope. Where are we in the story? That's kind of the question. So here's the reality. Some drop out. And the ones that drop out in this story are the disciples. Mark 16, uh, verse 10. Uh, she, Mary Magdalene, we'll get to her in a moment. She went and reported to those who'd been with him, the disciples. They were, they were in a room mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. So that's the first group. Like, um, I put my hope in this movement. We had an understanding of what Messiah would be, what Messiah would do. We saw him do things. He, he, he healed the sick. He cast out a demon. He raised the dead. I walked on water a few feet. But something's happened and the whole thing's fallen apart. And so now, if I'm a disciple, I'm socially isolating in the upper room, not out of fear of COVID, but out of fear for my life. I'm afraid they're coming for me next. I'm discouraged that the status quo domination model that carries Rome, that carries Ukraine, that carries Russia, that carries our world, I'm afraid that that model is going to win again. I'm afraid that Jesus is just another example of a sales pitch that fails to deliver because God knows in this world Time and time and time and time again in businesses, nations, marriages, engagements, churches, there's hope, there's expectation, there's joy, and then bam, it all falls apart. Been there? I have. Now, this is our world. And when it all falls apart, if you're like the disciples, you're like this, really? I thought Jesus was better than this. It's a lot of people today in this camp. People point to different pieces of news ranging from evangelical toxic masculinity to lust for power to moral failures among leaders uh, within the faith community as evidence that the Jesus way is losing. People point across both uh, political and theological spectrums uh, to the reality that the church is kind of functionally impotent in the world, that, that, that nothing's fixing anything anymore. And people have different reasons uh, for why things are broken, and so different solutions offered. But everyone agrees. We in here and those driving by, our world's broken. We all agree. And, and, and because of this, for some, the hope of shalom and justice and reconciliation can seem really hard to embrace right now. Easter, really? Yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not in. Well, if that's you, uh, please listen, because that's an important category of people. Uh, I spoke in Austria recently 
there was a subset at this camp where I was speaking who had moved their camp from Romania to participate in the camp in, in which I was associated uh, precisely because of the proximity of the Romanian uh, camp to the Ukrainian border. And I uh, spoke with one individual, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he was very discouraged. And he, he was like this, Richard, look, I just don't know if this faith thing is real at all because I don't see it working anywhere. That's what he said. He said, he said look, around, look around the world. Businesses, nations, faith institutions, marriages, everything. Every, he's like this, everything. It starts with hope, and then, I'm quoting him now, everything turns to rubbish, only he didn't, he didn't use that word. <laughs> yeah. I would say the world is full of ex-evangelicals who would identify with what he said. I would say that. But here's the fundamental error in those who've dropped out and are in the upper room. They didn't listen to the whole Jesus story. Because in Mark 8, 30 and 31, Mark 9, 30 and 31, Luke 13, 33, Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 17, 22, Jesus said it. He said it here and here and here and here and here. He said it again and again. Sometimes he said it cryptically, but he said it directly, bluntly, out of the open, not a parable. This is what he said. He said, listen, it's necessary. I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again and come to you. He said it. And now he's dead. And the disciples are like this, yeah, we're done. I mean, that's a problem, right? And, and, and the, 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 the problem there comes from kind of believing in this Jungian quote that I want to show you right now. Carl Jung says this, in the secret hour of life's midday, the parabola is reversed. Death is born. The second half of life does not signify ascent, unfolding, increased exuberance, but death. Happy Easter, man. I mean, if you leave that out there for just a second, all of us in the room can identify with that thing, right? At some point in our life, it could be, it could be uh, loyalty to an institution. It could be, uh, you know, a romantic relationship. It could be a marriage. It could be your physical body. In fact, hello, it is your physical body. Inevitably. And so you're born, and there's Christmas, and there's hope, and there's gifts, and there's Easter, and there's eggs, and there's innocence, and then there's education, and then there's more education, and then there's a job, and then there's a, a relationship, and then there's maybe your own kids. And all the while, you're running marathons or, you know, skiing or rowing or whatever you do, and life's meaningful and good and hopeful. And then right at the top, and you don't even know it yet, right at the top, boom. Something happens, and it's your knee, <laughs> and it's people passing you at Green Lake, if it's your body. But it could be your church. It could be your marriage. It, 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 it could be your political party. It could be anything, because the pa- here's, here's what my Romanian friend and Young both said. They said, the pattern's always the same. I hope, and then crap, what happens? And can I still believe that's where the disciples are at in this moment. Well, what's good news is, um, you know, one of those disciples is Peter. And he checked out completely. He was like this, I'm going fishing. 
I'm going I'm to return to doing the one thing that I know how to do. I'm going to go fishing. But the problem for the disciples is they didn't understand the whole graph. Yes, there is a parabola. Always, always a parabola. It's, it's just that that's not the end of the story. If we look at the other document, we see it this way. The journey to the resurrection says this, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The only life worth living is life out from the grave. It's the only one worth living. And so all of life is about hope, dashed hope, resurrection. All of life. Say it with me. Hope, dashed hope, resurrection. Let's say it together. Hope, dashed hope, resurrection. And where are you now? Dashed hope. I know you are because I'm there too. Don't go hide. There's a, there's a better way. What's better than hiding is those who stay in the story. And we read about them in Mark 16, 1 to 3. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, bought spices so that they might come and anoint Jesus. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had, 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 had risen. And they said to one another, who will roll away the stone? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a man uh, standing there, and they were amazed. And he said to them, don't be amazed. You're looking for Jesus. He's been crucified, uh, but he's risen. Not here. Go and tell the disciples. So these women did what women are prone to do. They cared. And I know I'm generalizing, but we men... Uh, we're often motivated by uh, ideology more than love and, and by principles more than compassion. I know that uh, because, I'll, you know, uh, one of the memorable experiences of my life is my oldest daughter and my son in a, in a race in a parking lot. And I said to both of them, don't run on pavement. I mean, I would, I'd throw my kids into crevasses and rescue them without any fear. But running on pavement, never, never. It was this irrational fear I had. And sure enough, they're racing, and my son falls and breaks his elbow. So here's, here I am. I told you that would happen. Now we got to go to the hospital. It's going to cost money. You know how expensive emergency is? Like he's six, right? <laughs> He runs past me into the arms of his mom, who's like, are you okay? <laughs> Makes sense why nobody calls me on Father's Day, but um, <laughs> not true, not true. But mother, Mother's Day, I get it, I get it. These women are there because of love. Like, they had hope too. But for them, the story isn't over. I mean, they don't care for the body. And because they're still in the story, they see things. If we love Christ, listen, if we love Christ, if you're here out of love, not ideology, love, not institutional loyalty, then, you, then you'll stay in the game. And if you stay in the game, you'll see things. And what I mean by you'll see things is you'll see remarkable things. Because when you show up, you realize, oh yeah, uh, divine life is still alive and well in this world. Resurrection life is still afoot. The flowers are still blooming. The seasons are still happening. The sun is still rising. There's still clean water. There's an outpouring of courage and generosity 
to Ukrainian citizens around the world. God is alive. But you don't see it if you're withdrawn into the upper room. You got to stay in the game. And you stay in the game not out of loyalty to an institution, not out of loyalty to an ideology. You stay in the game because you love Jesus. And, and if you love Jesus, you show up to care for Christ. And caring for Christ these days means, according to Matthew 25, you care for the orphan, you care for the widow, you care for the prisoner, you care for the sick, you care for those on the margins, you care for those unjustly treated. Because by caring for people in need, you're caring for Jesus. And when you care for Jesus, you meet Jesus. So these women, yeah, they're dealing with their own grief, but they show up. Can I just say it this way? Don't let your darkness overwhelm you. Still unanswered questions in your personal life? Yeah. Still disappointment? Yeah. Hope dashed? Yeah. Uh, incredibly difficult culture wars? It's all there. Keep showing up. Goodness is quantum. When you show up and care for the least of these, you're, you're, you're caring for Jesus. And when you care for Jesus, you see Jesus. Because those who show up to serve Christ see great things. And seeing great things, of course, isn't the point. They see great things, and the messenger who says, he's not here, he's risen, he says, go tell the disciples. And then we read in verse 7, they went out and fled, verse 8, they went out and fled, and they didn't tell the disciples because they were afraid. So here's a group of people, I love this, they're in the story, Still love Jesus, but it's covert for them. They're not going to tell anybody. And that's a problem. Uh, the, 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 the evidence that Christ is still alive in the world is here. And if you see Christ alive in the world, because you see acts of justice, acts of mercy, acts of hope, you see God's sustenance of creation, you see the beauty of creation— if you see something, say something. And to start, seeing something means uh, paying attention to the work of God that's in the world and in creation, because it's here all the time. Is it, a, is it a dark and terrible place right now? Uh, yeah. Are you still drinking clean water? Yeah. Are you seeing uh, acts of supernatural sacrificial courage around the globe? Absolutely. Sacrificial generosity? You bet. The, 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 the reconciling power of Christ to heal marriages? I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it all. I'm seeing it everywhere, man. It's still there. It's still there. Yes, the world is dark. Don't get so myopically fixated on the, 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 the darkness that you miss the beauty, because then you won't see anything. And if you don't see anything, you'll never say anything. But it starts with seeing, and we see because we're looking and engaging, and we look and engage because in spite of everything, we love Jesus. And I'll just tell you, that's why I'm still here. Because the love of Christ is my motive for being here doing what I'm doing. And, and why? Because I love that Christ loves everyone. I love that. No one else does. I just saw this beautiful uh, collection of pictures on social media of Jesus washing people's feet. And there's one of him washing the feet of uh, uh, Joe Biden and another washing the feet of uh, former President Trump. 
and, and then washing the feet of a healthcare worker, and then of a, a Black Lives Matter protester, and then of a policeman, and then of a Ukrainian mother who's just lost her son, and, 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 and then a, a, a fireman, and then a, a, a transgender person in tears, and then a gay person, and then a happily married couple with children. Because who does Jesus love? Here's who, everyone. That's pretty remarkable in our world. And crossing those social divides is, is uh, um, just so beautiful to me and so attractive. And, and, and knowing that that's the first step in healing the world and bringing justice and reconciliation and transformation, that's the story I want to belong in. I love that story, but I don't love the story. I love the author, Jesus. And I love that that one has also made it a beautiful world so that there's flowers today. There's, there's blossoms, there's scent, there's sunrise, there's coffee, there's wine, there's longings for intimacy, there's longings fulfilled, there's hope, there's mercy. This is our God, still alive and well in a dark and broken world. Got to see it. And then they didn't say anything, unfortunately. So that brings us to the third category of people. Some go the distance. Some withdraw some see, but frankly, they're like this. You know why Christianity is too embarrassing right now? And I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm not going to talk about Jesus because he's now affiliated with a political party, because he's now affiliated with nationalism, because I don't like evangelicalism anymore. And so I'm done with Jesus. Hey, stop it. I get it, but stop it. Why? Because we're not loyal to an institution or evangelicalism or a denomination or a Republican or a Democrat. We're loyal to the creator of the universe, Jesus, the Christ, crucified, risen, healing the world. Amen? But that's our hope. If, there's, if we don't have that hope, we have nothing. But we have that hope. So the third category is a person, Mary Magdalene. I won't go into her history today. It's not the point today. But the point is this. She sees Jesus alive. Jesus says to her, go tell the disciples. And so she goes, and you read it in John. She busts into the upper room, and she says, I've seen Jesus. He's alive. That's pretty powerful to me. Mary Magdalene goes out of love, sees, and says. May that be you and me. You don't have to push Bethany, man. You don't have to push evangelicalism. Please don't push your politics. But we can, we can say, I can anyway, with confidence. Yeah, there's a creator. And there's beauty in the world still. And every person's made in the image of God. And God loves every broken person. And God, God's heart for the world is healing and transformation. Christ is our hope. Mary says that, and that's a big deal to me. Jesus is not a movement or an institution or an evangelical or a Catholic. It's a person whose spirit is alive and well, waiting to spill hope into the world through you right now. Even though you don't have all the answers, even though you're discouraged, I'm discouraged. I don't understand more than I do understand. But I know this much, 
If Young was right and the parabola ends in death, fear wins. Domination wins. Clinging to our rights wins. Anxiety wins. Isolation wins. Cynicism wins. Because this is all there is. So you got to hang on to your stuff and your reputation and the days of your life. But if there's more and we've seen it and we, and we, and we share it, in our sharing, hope bleeds out into the world. Um, a friend of mine shares a story of needing to go home to Canada from uh, uh, Scotland because his 99-year-old dad had a car and he'd lost his license and he was driving illegally. So he had to go home and sell his dad's car, right? Well, his dad is a you know devout believer, but now strong, strong dementia. So he takes his dad uh, to a uh, used car lot to s- negotiate a deal, and and uh, the dad gets confused. And when the guy names a price, the dad starts to write a check because he doesn't realize that he's giving away his car. He thinks he's giving this guy money, and then the guy goes, "Oh no, no, no." The $5,000, that's what I'm giving you. And he just, he goes, well, that's so generous. He said, I'd like to, I wish I had something to give you. And then the guy says, well, you're, I'm, you're giving me a car. And then he says, oh, yeah, but that's not enough. He says, I want to give you a blessing. And so this guy, 99, says to the car, he starts spouting numbers, 29. To a car salesman, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make a space to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord give you peace. The dad, uh, or the guy, the young, the son of the dad, super embarrassed. He's like, really? We're doing this now? So he's kind of looking down at his phone. He looks up, the car salesman's weeping and says to the son, your dad is priceless. I was at the end of it today. I was at the end of it. Started talking about his marriage, his business. I was at the end of it. And somebody had the love to bless me. Hey, if you see something, say something. But you're not seeing anything if you're hiding away in an upper room. Get in the game. Meet Jesus and proclaim. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Father, meet us now as we're celebrating that the parabola doesn't end underwater, but in coming up in baptism, testimonies of new life. We honor you for that and believe that you're alive and well and desire to use us as people of hope. Bless those who baptize as we enter into this moment now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.